Hi, and welcome to Living Unleashed. I'm your host, Alex Runneman. This is a production growing out of my passion for identifying, questioning, and addressing the many challenges I face as an entrepreneur, father, and as a resident of my small Appalachian hometown. From community revitalization to work and business to health and everything in between, join me as we discuss the challenges, but most importantly, search for solutions that may assist you in your quest to unleash yourself and your community. Hey, I'm Alex Renneman with Unleashed Tigard, and I'm here with Eric Murphy, who's the Assistant Director of Service and Learning at West Virginia University, who's also a husband, a dad, a father, and I brought Eric on today to, to talk with me. You know, obviously, we were running this series where there's, there's challenge after challenge going on in our nation and around the world in terms of, of race is, is a line that, that kind of is the subtext of many of that. And, and in conversations with Eric prior to this, um, I found him to be insightful and have a great perspective. And I wanted to bring him on the program to talk a little more about, uh, about his perspective and his life. And, and maybe we can, again, find some answers to some questions we're trying to do with this series. I don't expect that Eric is going to represent every black man walking the face of the earth, just as I'm not going to resent, represent every white man or any other things that we have commonalities or differences. So, um, Eric, I, I appreciate you coming on the program. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to this conversation as we go forward. Thank you, buddy. Thank you very much. I appreciate you inviting me on this uh, on your platform here. Perfect. So again, we're we're not we're not trying to solve everything. There's a lot of issues. A big thing is we're not going to solve it all in a, in a in a podcast. But I I do want to just kind of dive into some things. You know, maybe th this is a safe space, just so everyone knows. I mean, Eric and I are not out to to flatten one another over this this conversation. Really, this is about seeking first to understand and. It's about finding perspectives that are different than yours and being able to assess those. And Nick, we've said on this program many times, um, to be racist is just to believe something. To, to not be racist or to, to overcome those things is to be, to be a thinker. And we're trying to find perspectives and information that can allow us to think and process those and maybe, maybe change some opinions or maybe at least understand other perspectives. And that's really our goal. So Eric, maybe we can just start this whole thing off. Can you just share you know, your perspective, walking this earth, um, you know, what, what you've run into that, uh, that can kind of be a jumping off point for us here today. Certainly, certainly. Well, you know, first of all, you know, I think if I was going to give you, I give you this little background about myself. So I come from Columbus, Ohio. Um, my dad was from McDowell County, West Virginia. Um, and my dad, my grandfather was a minor. My dad left McDowell and went to Columbus um, when he was 17 years old, 16 years old and started cleaning a hospital, I think. Or he started doing whatever job he could get, I think. And then he started cleaning hospitals. He started taking night classes about oxygen therapy. And that position became a respiratory therapist. And he did that for about 15 years. And then he became the director of respiratory therapy at a hospital. And then he became the director of respiratory therapy at a couple hospitals. And then he quit doing that to help people. So. Uh, that is one of the, the that is the primary piece of how I am in life. Uh, that that was my he was my role model in regards to work ethic and making it happen. And and I, I mean, my dad was a no excuse kind of guy. McDowell County. I mean, that's what we got. Um, so in my so when I went to high school, I went to an all I went to a school that was fifty five forty five. Uh, African-American or what minority or whatever you want to say and then everything and then everything else my school was a planned school so we got bus from different areas I'm 50 years old so we got we got bus from every area and all I remember was I never remember racism because I went to a high school 
where we came from different perspectives. I was football captain, wrestling captain, and homecoming king. So my perspective on, oh, and my mother was a director of, of uh, independent living or adult services at a center for, for people who are severely cognitively and developmentally uh, disabled. My best friend when I was probably 12 was a 40 year old man who had Down syndrome. He liked comic books like I did. He liked Michael Jackson the same way I did. He liked to dance the way I did. He didn't play any sports, but we both like comic books. Uh, and he just happened to be a lot older than me, which I never, I never even thought about. I just knew he was a good friend. So those things kind of translated into my college career where I came to school as an activist, meaning I, I, I was all about my community. A lot of people thought that I may have been uh, racist or nationalist. I don't even know because I was really happy about being black. I never really thought anything about what, I never thought anything about you being white. I just thought if you were my friend, you were my friend, period. So to understand racism was not something I understood. And here's, a, this is gonna be a little odd. Let me share it with you though. I knew about the one drop rule when I was a kid, right? The one drop rule meaning if you have one drop of black blood in you, you were considered black, even if you look just like you. Mm -hmm. um, here's what I would tell you. What I thought that meant was I was concentrated also. If one drop of me <laughs> changed the whole game, then why would I think anything other than men? That's pretty awesome about me. So I never really thought of me as a less than, I thought of it as, I, I thought blackness as an asset, um, something that made me kind of all right. So I think that things change for me in regards to some, some things, perspectives about life and perspectives about race and, and community uh, when I got to college, or actually not when I got to college because I also did some things there and I was an activist in the community. But I think it's when I became, a, when I started doing psychotherapy. So I've been a psychotherapist for about 18 years, 17 years, something like that. I practiced for a couple of years and now I just like, I'm a consultant for people. But I remember going into this thinking, there's certain things that black people do and there's certain things that white people do. And it just is what it is. Once I got behind closed doors, brother, I found out that that was not true at all. I found out that the dysfunction and, and complicated trauma that black people deal with is very similar to the complicated trauma and challenges and tribulations that other people have. So it blew my mind to realize like, yo, I have been thinking in a box that is, there is no box. It, it, kind of like in the matrix, there is no spoon. Like I realized this. So I think that what I found was that if I am okay with me, here's a, here's a good question I ask people. What's your ethnicity, bro? <laughs> well, I mean, on a, on a paper, I'd have to say white, but you look at my history, you do my 23 and me, I'm a Heinz 57. <laughs> so, and, and I'm glad you said it that way because one of the challenges I believe that people have is they believe that ethnicity is white, black, or Asian, and that is not ethnicity. Ethnicity is where are your people from. Mm -hmm. I am Liberian, African, and Irish. So when you start to have people dive into culture and ethnicity, it allows us to see culture, right? Because then I got, you know, if you're Italian, you do the seven fish or something like that. Or, you know, as an African-American dude, I mean, there's some certain things. I have the African meals that I like. I like bean, uh, bean rice and stuff like that. I mean, not bean rice, excuse me, peanut rice and things like that. But then when you start to dive more into that cultural piece, you see there's more of a connection than anything else. As soon as you bring up race, the game changes. It gets odd. And I've been doing this in high schools and colleges for quite a few years now. And I always ask, why do you think it got odd. We were just talking about music and cl clothes and you like Leonard Skinner and I like Tupac and we like food and but why did it change? 
And what they usually say is they don't know. And I'll tell you why, because race was designed to divide us. And it didn't happen until the early or later 1600s, when, because at one time you were an Italian, I was, you were an Irish, I was an African, um, this guy was a Polish or whatever it was, and we all could, we could be in digital service, we could be married, we had religion. Um, the, the, um, the enslaved African was create, was asked to be, was well not asked, was told to be a Christian. So there were things about the African experience that was a little, that was very much different. But at one, and at one time we were all ethnicities and we could work together in communities. What happened is the property owner changed the game up and said, no, we're gonna do white and black. That was a way to control us. Because now we thought this guy's trying to take your land. This guy's trying to take your power. So it became divide and conquer and making you a pin, pin uh, it was a power play against each other. It was a chess game. So. That right there, it was that right there, that awareness right there for me allows me to really dive deeper into the conversation with people to ask you, who are you? What are the attributes about you? What are attributes about your ethnicity? I think once people start to have these conversations that are deeper than surface, we start to see each other as brothers and sisters. You know, it's almost like, um, I, 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 is this helpful? I, I, I'll start, yeah, you know, I'll ramble. Absolutely. I will ramble. Nope, absolutely, keep going. And I think that's the biggest challenge. We're, I think that we have become lazy with it. We're not willing to invest in finding out who you are. We're not willing to invest in how do we make systemic change. And people will say, well, you know, all lives matter. And they do. That is true. In addition to that, statistically, the plight of the African-American man and the, kill, the death of Black men is at a high rate. Now, some people will say, some of that is by other black dudes. They say that they think there's a such thing as black on black crime. No, black on black crime, even that term was created to cause division too. Because most of the time, crime is homogeneous. I steal it, I crime where I live. In the community. So then yeah. that means they're white on white crime, there's gay on gay crime, there's black. It just is what it is. You, it, it's all about vicinity and where you are. So all those things were, were it's propaganda to get us to, to, to have this battle back and forth. Here's the key for me. I realize that I don't need to battle with you. Why do I need to do that? And I'm okay with you being ignorant, as long as that ignorance doesn't get, get me killed. But I am willing to engage in the conversation with you about who you are and who I am. If you're trying to have a friendship with me or at least have some level of understanding about who the human is in your neighborhood. I think that is important, but I think what we've, had, we've found here is a lazy way out. It's easy to not find out who you are. It's easy to allow propaganda or whatever else to lead me to say, you know, well, you know, all lives matter. So I'm not going to talk to you about this Black Lives Matter. What we're talking about really is, I mean, if you can't say that Black Lives just matter, just matter, then that's a problem. Because if you're not looking at the plight of what's happening to Black and Brown men. But then if you look at the history of this, bro, the history of lynching, the history, the history of, of sexualization, the history of all these different things that have happened to us. But the, here's the problem. If I open that door and my great grandparent was still alive and they use that terminology and they have those ideals, how do I stay loyal to my family and, 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 and stay enlightened? How do I do that?
And that's the challenge. You know what I mean? Like we have to think you have that generational stuff that it's it's a, a loyalty, it's a tug, it's a tug here towards growth and, and expansion. And that is the hardest part to this, man. That's an uncovering of multiple layers. Um, so when I see people say that all lives matter, I get that. I also know that it's a way to discredit or to take away from what my experience is, you know? So, so could, could you and I, I mean, we, we could, and I use, I'm using you and I as a guinea pig experience for others that might be struggling. Could you and I, in a, in a basis, agree all lives matter? But we, we have problems with all lives in certain segments of lives, and it so happens that, that black lives, and I'm not talking about the organization, which we could go there if we want, but it's a, black lives are struggling in some ways. Can we not focus there now? So we all can agree that all lives matter, but we've got to, we, we, we do. I mean, I, I think it's hard for anyone to recognize that there's not some struggle in, for, for, for black folks in America or people you of color. And again, I use those phrases. I mean, it, it's hard for a white guy to talk about this, Eric. And yeah. this is why, and again, I say white guy, it's no hard word. for a white guy to talk about this because um, words that I use, I'm afraid of using. And I think, again, I'm speaking for a lot of folks. I'm afraid of using the wrong word. If I use black, I, wait a minute, is it black? Or do I have to say African-American or is it people of color now? And even that are trigger words to your point where it's almost like, we're ready to just battle where the battle lines are drawn and I have to be on one side or the other. And that infuriates me because I, I don't, I, I tend to not, you, you get in the whole political spectrum. We won't go down that route either right or left. I tend to not sit there. And so it's a very uncomfortable walk through, for Amer through America for me right now. And I think there's more people like me than, than, than maybe we realize Maybe we think everybody's polarized, but I look at this and I think, where can we, where's the wisdom? Where can we start where we come from a place of, of commonality? And you and I are brothers. We are humans. And 99.999 and whatever percentage of our DNA is exactly the same. Mm -hmm. And so if we start there. Now let's, now let's fight. And you know what? Brothers sometimes fight. Brothers sometimes yeah. get into scraps or have disagreements. But ultimately, they're together and they're brothers. And so that, that's, I mean, is that a perspective? What am I missing? If, I, if I'm taking that perspective into the conversation, what parts am I missing? Or is that... I think that people are uncomfortable with being uncomfortable, brother. I think that, you know, the, the walk that I have to walk a lot of times with discomfort and the familiarity I have with discomfort, right now, white guys are experiencing the discomfort I've felt my whole life. And it's, it's unfamiliar. Hence why there's a term called white fragility. And that's real. I mean, that is real because discomfort, when you, when people, here's a great thing. Someone said to me one time, well, it's not great, but something somebody told me one time, the reason why we're having this discomfort with this and white guys are having discomfort with this is because they were born with liberty and Africans were given freedom. And because that ideology is in there of, of freedom, of liberty and freedom, that is the challenge. There's entitlement and then it's an earning of the free, of, of, of freedom. You never get liberty but you can earn your freedom, which all that stems back for slavery and the history of the United States. And so, I think a lot of times we don't want to look at how great America can be, could be, because when we look at the history of it, there's not a lot of great stuff in it. It's a, it's a, it's a lot of really kind of jacked up stuff to get this thing established, this United States established. And a lot of people don't want to acknowledge that that it sucked for the Native American, it sucked for the African. You know, it, it not just sucked, it was damn, it was just terrible. Um, and it, until you go to South Dakota or someplace like that and actually look at a reservation or go to Utah and see a reservation, you don't even know what I'm talking about. And I've been there and I'm like, yo, when I went to South Dakota, brother, I was like, this is the most depressing thing I've ever seen in my life. 
I was so upset because I was like, this is real. This is, it, this is real. And so when we start to talk about it, it's an uncovering and unearthing of a, of a virus that we've never really ever dug out completely. And the reason why we haven't dug it out completely is because it is systemic. There was a, there was a, uh, it's a study done called that, I don't know if you remember, um, it was on 2020 or one of those shows and it was called the, um, it was the Greg and Emily test, right? So people had the exact same resume, except for one dude's name was Kwame and Shakira or, or and Kaniko or something like that. And it was Greg and Emily, exact same resumes. It was over 50% people, Greg and Emily got the jobs or got a house or whatever, 30% of these guys. So it was so ridiculously obvious that there was systemic bias in that right there is systemic racism right there in itself. It's not the individual. It's the system that supports the individual of, in regards to um, the haves and have nots. I mean, we can look at wealth, we can look at who got money or income, but that's not even the part that we even look at. If we really want to look at something that will show you the real show, we look at generational wealth. Brother, it's a whole different game. And then we just look at incomes, even looking at COVID and how this is, how this is affecting um, the African-American community compared to other communities. Brother, there's so much in inequity and injustice in this and, and, and uh, lack of balance and things that it just shows you what the system has done. So the only way we can change this, I believe, is by having conversations like this, but not just having conversations, coming up with actionable things that support the in, that, that, that support communities, but also could support communities working together to be uncomfortable and finding comfort in evolving. Yeah. The biggest thing, like you know, you're probably a good dude, and I think you probably got it. Are you you a dad? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you're probably a good dad. I'm that's quite right. sure that your job is to be better than your dad, even if your dad was awesome. Yeah, that's right. My dad was awesome. My job, and and, and I'm better than him. I already know that my skill set is different, and my son is going to be. He's on he's on top me on a whole different level. That's the job for us as people. How do we get uncomfortable? How do we get comfortable? with the discomfort of evolving as a people. <laughs> and because we put power into that equation, we're missing the point. The power comes from empowering ourselves. I think that's really important. And I, and I do want to get to, before we run out of time, I want to get to a couple actionable things for sure. But before we get there, I really want to point, so th this, is, this is important to me uh, in this conversation. I think it's the crux of the challenge that, we're, that many folks are having on this on, on all sides of the issue and all various sides. And I, yeah. I don't think there's one side or the other, but it is, so when you say things like white supreme or, you know, it's, it's white superiority or white privilege or those things, those are trigger phrases that folks will immediately start shutting down. And, and I think it's, you, 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 to your point, I think it's discomfort, but it also, I, I don't, you know, I don't think, I don't know, is there a feeling of, you know, they don't feel guilty. They don't want to be guilty. That feels like an attack. And I want to make sure people understand, and I'm, and I'm, I'm guessing because of our of conversation. Course. You're not attacking me when you say those things. You're pointing out history. And when we can point out history, there are many, the victor gets the spoils, right? And so whether it's the language, whether it's land, whether it's wealth, whether it's privilege, all of those things go to the victor. That's and right. the reality, when we look at history, for the most of history, White men have done pretty well historically, and, and that is a privilege. And, and I, I could say that for a fact. Now, 
and I, I may have told you this before, um, and I know we've said it on this program, that privilege is, is, is a responsibility for me. It's not something I should be ashamed of. It's not, I didn't do anything to get this privilege. I ended up, I got the lucky draw in many ways. Just like you said, you know, you had all the drops. You were the lucky guy. I got a lucky draw where I am. I'm born in West Virginia. I love this place. I mean, some people say that's not a lucky draw. I say it is. I have my parents. I, so when I look at all that, I see that and I say, okay, now I have this privilege as long as I can recognize it. And I have lots of other privileges just other than being white. Um, what can I do with those privileges? And so I just, I want to make sure, are, when you're saying, when you say things like, okay, there's a white superiority or a white privilege or whatever other phrases, and there's lots of them out there. What do you mean by that? And how, what, what should, how could somebody, not that we can tell anybody how to take what we say, how would you want somebody who is, who is a, a deserving or not deserving, but uh, uh, consuming that privilege or able to use that privilege, how would you want them to take that? I think that what we have to do is we have to open the door to something that's unfamiliar. I think we have to open the door to other people who are qualified, who maybe don't fit, that maybe do, I, I'm unfamiliar with. You know, say, so if this person is qualified for it, for a position, or I know that our whole marketing team is all like white male, but we're trying to hit every demographic in West Virginia, and you don't have people of color at the table or no women at the table, then you're missing the majority, you're missing a large demographic. So really, it's about, it is, I don't like the word inclusivity, because I don't like that word, because I think that's like a four-letter word almost anymore, almost like liberal or conservative. I think they've just become crazy. The key word is appreciation, man. Like if you don't, you know what I'm saying? I've had people who think they were really saying something nice to me when they said, when they meet me as a therapist, they don't see me as a black dude. They see me as a dude. What they don't understand is that that means you have a, a, um, a um, ocular issue because I am rich and chocolatey. You <laughs> might want to recognize that and I'm okay with it. Yeah, I'm okay. Hopefully you'll be okay with it. And, and I say that because it's not a melting pot. As I talked to you earlier about, it's about appreciating the salad. And, and that, that's a part of it. So number one is to not make allowances for someone just because of their color. You, you, you open the door because it would be better, it, it better meets the needs of the community. That's number one. And you have to appreciate that. And we gotta stop saying that I accept people and I'm tolerant. We have to start to appreciate people. Like, I say this all the time, bro. If I say, hey, man, I'll tolerate you at my table or I'll accept you at my table, that sounds sucky. <laughs> but if I say to you, I appreciate you being at my table, yeah, yeah, and you know it. I see you. You know, I'm looking at your beard. I see, your, I see your eyes. I see your posture. I know what it is, you know, because I'm actually seeing you. And I want people to be to see me because I appreciate me. And if you don't appreciate me, then I don't want you in the circle because you're definitely not going to fit in with my rainbow coalition of friends who have commonality in our values and beliefs. And maybe our race or our or ethnicity is different or sexual orientation or whatever that might be. But since we're sticking with race, we must stick with race. Our races are different, but what we have in common is a value system and a belief system. And even if, and because that's my friend group. Now, I meet people who don't look like me, who don't have a value system as mine. And if your value system is a little different than mine, and maybe on some something a little um, that's antisocial, we're well, not going to be in my circle regardless. Of, not irregardless is not a word. Regardless, yeah, it is now. <laughs> I know, right? I, I hate when I do that word. Um, regardless of what you look like, if your value system is no point, I can't mess with you. Yeah. But we got to stop putting a label on that. That's how black guys are. That's how white guys are. 
No, because one of the things that I can say is the system is biased. And there's no denying that factually. But here's the problem with us talking about that. People start to really covet that privilege and not talk about it. There's an organization, I won't say the name of this organization that works with youth. And I had a person come to me and say to me, I can't, it's hard for me to work with black and brown people because the organization I work with, we keep it light, white, and polite. I said, where did you hear that? She said, we all know this. We just don't talk about it, but we all know it. That is the part, the covert part, the, the calculated covertness to that, to have comfort in homage and homogeneous grouping, not understanding that the heterogeneous grouping creates flavor and opportunity, yeah. unless you want to be lazy. You, you know, and you, you said it. I want to go back. You, 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 I love, I love the appreciation. I think that's that's brilliant, frankly, uh, because the messaging sometimes to 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 the rest to, to white folks, if you will. Again, we're we're on those lines. So we're talking about those lines. Yes. The messaging is, you know, oh, you hear folks say they're they're colorblind. I mean, that's garbage. And I know they mean well. Many folks mean well by that. But how I how could I ignore the fact that you're a black dude, right? I'm I, can't, I can't ignore that, yeah. right? So, yeah. but so so that's one. Or the okay. I, I, I gotta. I can't. I can't address it. I can't. It can't even be part of what I acknowledge, and that's hard. That goes against our very nature. The fact that we are humans and we do look for bias. We look for differences. Um, but but I love. I love the the appreciation side of that because then I can look at you, and and I know we're dads. We can start there. I'm sure there's some sports we can enjoy together. I'm sure there's other things we can enjoy together, and I don't have to ignore or ostracize our differences. I can appreciate them. I love. I love that. I think that's something that's really. Well, I love it. I just got to tell you, kudos, check marks. That, that's really good. I'm going to try to really uh, apply that to more of what we do, the appreciation piece. Yeah. But, but here's something I think people are concerned about, and I hear this in, in w from folks, and it's, it's you, know, you scratched on it just a minute ago, and I really want to dive into this just a bit. So when we talk about my privilege, and, and if, I, if I, as I try to live, if, if I don't reach out to those who don't have privilege, and, and I use the example in a post, whatever, I use the example with my wife. I'm taller than my wife. I'm glad she's the height she is. She's great. She's beautiful. I love her to death. But I can reach things on top of the counter that she can't. Not that she's short, but I've got a couple, I've got several inches on her. I have height privilege over her. Now, by me reaching up and getting the spices and handing it to her, that's me honoring my height privilege. And if I don't, if I sit and just either ostracize her or make her feel bad for not being able to reach that, I'm dishonoring my privilege. And I feel the same way from a white black perspective. I don't feel like I'm losing privilege or I'm losing, I'm losing good things by help trying to share my good things with others. And yeah. it's, it seems like a zero sum game. And so I'd like for you to at least articulate people who, who maybe they may not say this, and, but I, I know they may not say it openly, but part of this is fear. Part of this is, well, you know, it, it I'm going to lose, I'm going to lose whatever I have. If I open it up to everybody else, it's a scarcity mentality. And, and I, I'm not, I'm not dogging on anybody. That's a natural human response to these things. So how can you, what, what can you say to those folks? I think that you just hit it right on the head when you said you were, at first you said give, and you said, no, no, share. And I think that what you have to do is you have to be willing to share um, the sunlight with everyone who's, and if you're dealing with a work situation, then it's about qualifications and, and understanding that a diverse workforce is going to create marketing opportunities that you will that you you all will have wellness from. You will benefit from that. And I think a lot of times we don't want to look at the 
we don't look at the marathon, brother. We look at the 100-yard dash. Yeah, for sure. And I think the other thing is you said, well, you have height privilege over your significant other. I think the thing that, here's the other part that's so, you know, oof, your wife ain't going to get killed for being short. That's true. So me being, I'm a 265-pound kind of muscular guy um, with 12 years of college. To, to, to some people, I am, their, I am their worst nightmare, an educated, large brother. And that's one of the biggest challenges we have is dealing with the insecure man who, who makes it okay to be insecure. You know what I mean? Like when insecurity, you know what racism really is? It's, it's making insecurity sexy. It looks good to be that dude. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. And if it harms you, it's definitely going to harm me. And if it harms me, in the big picture, it's going to harm you. And, and until we see the marathon of life, the marathon of humanity, and the fact that I am okay, I like Tupac, I like a, a lot of different things. If you like Leonard Skinner or, or whatever it is, and I'm in your car and you rocking it, and I go, man, I've never heard this before. And you in my car, and you say, man, I've never heard from the cradle to the grave. This is hard. This, this is a nice little song here. That's where we start to connect, brother. It's when you want me to be who you are, or I want you to be who I am, because you believe you're the standard bearer, or I believe I'm the standard bearer. That's when the problem starts. It is about truly opening my mind and my heart. I don't want to say my heart, because that sounds stupid. I'm going to keep it real with you. It's about a cognitive piece to it. I have to understand, what am I telling myself about this dude? What am I telling myself about, look, I'm not on some, I'm not going to say anything crazy, but I do have this. I have a lot of friends who I went to college with who are policemen, and they're all great guys. All, every one of them, my fraternity brother, James France, I mean, my man, Mike Pinardo, um, Mark Downing, I have all these friends who are, and then again, I got a couple of dudes who I know are total jerks. And for them to have a badge, they're going to use that to have power over somebody, and they're going to be a they're gonna be a prick about it. Excuse my language on that. Mm -hmm. um, but then I also know people who are not. I judge that man, not the organization or that thing. And, and I, you know, and if you say when people say, "Well, blue lives matter" or something like that, something like that happened on our campus. We were talking about that. I want to talk about campus stuff because yeah, I work there. But something like that happened, and people to understand that what that per what was really going on was a negating of the fact that Black Lives Matter, and that was a movement because people believe that's a some kind of terrorist movement or something else and really we're just saying that black lives matter period period it's a given that all lives matter what is not given is the statistics that show that people do not appreciate black lives uh, there was a dude that almost got lynched just the other day in north carolina it has hit the social media thing because somebody videoed the whole thing with these guys trying to string this brother up all because he was camping bro yeah. That's not saying that that's a problem. So, but here's the thing. You know who came to this dude's rescue? A black dude and a white dude. That's how you change the game. You say, brother, what you guys are doing is inappropriate. And we have our communities back. We have our communities back. Point blank, period. I don't give a damn if you're from India. I don't care where you're from. You could be from Shenston. I don't care. I just want to say Shenston just because I think it's better. <laughs> But that's the, game. <laughs> that's the game. Shout out to Jensen. Um, but that's the game plan, man. To have these, to have, because here's the crazy thing. This conversation 
I don't know if it feels uncomfortable. And I wonder why it doesn't feel uncomfortable because the majority we're talking about is commonality and difference and being willing to be, you know, when you walk with fear, you know what you find? Freaking courage. Mm -hmm. So when you walk with fear and you say, brother, I don't know, but I want to ask you as a white dude, man, and I saw you with that Confederate flag, here's something I can give you. Great example. When I was in college, I met my wife. I was at the gym working out, helping out a guy. He asked me if I, he, he was looking for a spotter. He was just looking around. He didn't ask me, but he was like, anybody want to spot me real quick? I said, I'll come over and help you out. So I'm helping him out. He only got 225 one. Like I was like, why do you need a spot for that? But that's a whole other, that's a whole other conversation. So I'm helping him out. He got a swastika right here, SS. He got a big picture of um, Hitler right here. All kinds of crazy stuff. I didn't even realize he was bald-headed and had on um, Doc Martens that were up to his calf. I, I went, oh, he's a skin. I didn't even know. So maybe I did know. I just didn't think about it. And once he got up from the from the lift, I said, man, can I ask you a question? He was like, yeah. I said, man, what's up with the tats? Because I said, you know, I'm, I got a bunch of tattoos. I said, you know, tell me about them. He's like, well, I'm a neo-Nazi, and I love being white. I said, well, tell me, if you don't mind, tell me about being white. He was like, well, I love me a really white woman. I love the, my white culture. I love the strength that we bring to the table in, re in regards to creating society, blah, 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 blah. He said, I do not like miscegenation. I did not know what that was. Miscegenation is the tainting of the gene pool of the race by, inter by uh, having intercourse with someone of a different color. Um, he was like, I like, he's, he said, it was like, it just shocked because I was like, oh, this is from a different lens. He was like, I like my woman so white, I can see veins in her chest. I said, oh, shoot. Like, I, I was like, like a vampire? Like, I was like, wait, what? I, I don't even know. He was like, yeah, I like, I like a pure white, white woman. And I was like, okay, man. I said, you know what? I said, are you mad at me for being black? He was like, I hope you like being black. I said, bro, you ain't got to tell me that. I love being black. I said, let me talk to you about being black. And we start talking about it and we're comparing. I said, so we left this conversation. I'm like, all right, man, hey, man, have a great day. You have a great day too. Here was the weird part. When I saw him outside with a bunch of his boys and I walked in the middle of all of them and gave him that, what's up, bro? And kept it moving. When I tell you if time could have stopped. <laughs> now, was I a little bigger than everybody in the room? Possibly. <laughs> Did I do it to intimidate? Not at all. We had a real conversation. And what I found through this is even he had a problem. Because now he knew that he, it was going to be hard for him to take that back. That we had had the uncomfortable that became comfortable. So I bet you this day, I, I bet you that brother is not, I bet you he's not there. I got a feeling because it was a real, and I don't think I influenced him. I just think that I was courageous enough. I mean, I, you know, I was willing, to, I didn't want to have to go there. But man, if we had had to go there, I would have never wanted to do that. But the fact that we can have a real, a man-to-man -man about who we are and understand a deeper understanding of, of us as individuals, that's the game plan. I had a client one time who didn't want to come and see me. He was mandated to come and see me. And when I tell you he had on some, a medium cowboy shirt, like that joker was choking me. And he had on like size 29 jeans. He probably needed a size 32, 34. And a belt buckle about that big and a Stetson bit, a cowboy hat on. He told me he did not like the color. I said, why don't you like the, I was like, why don't you like people of color? What? And I was like, okay, well, because I'm a therapist. I don't give a darn about that piece. I'm here to help with some other stuff. He says to me, well, y'all take all the white women and y'all like, y'all smell like watermelon and chicken. I said, oh my goodness, you don't like watermelon and chicken? 
Like I didn't even know that, you know, I didn't even know say it joined. So this guy was like, I'm mandated to come here for two sessions. That's all I got. Okay. How many sessions did he come? How many? Wow. 12. Wow. Because through this exploration of complicated trauma that he had, as he found that I would listen to him, not playing service to him as in like driving his daisy, but being a human with him, he realized that his insecurities about power and power place was all intertwined with trauma that he had feeling powerless in his life. It had nothing to do with black, white. That was just somebody he could target. And when he stopped targeting it and looked inward, he found love and the love first started for himself and then it became for others. So that, that right there is huge. That's one of the things that we talk about a lot here is, is, you know, lo love. I mean, every, every good hero, love is really their secret power. That's really That's the right. superpower. And, and ultimately um, when we look at these things, I mean, if, if we could, if we could walk through that fear door and be on the other side of this, and I'm not a big fan of they, I'm not, I'm not a big conspiracy theorist. I know there's, there's tons of people out there and I'm not dissing you if you are your listener, but I'm not a big fan of they, but it, it clearly it, it behooves other folks, a small minority in our population for us to be separated for one reason or another, whether it's by race or class or whatnot. And if we can walk through that fear door of race for just a minute and have a discussion and get on the other side of that, we may find we're not as separate as we need to be. We can be different, but we don't have to be separate. That's right. and, That's right. and, and at that point, that reduces, that reduces the fear and it reduces the strength that we've, we've all as a society given to, to the they. If you, you got it. And it, it, it also allows me not to be the savior for white people. Like, I don't want to be your bagger vance. I do not want to be your hitch. I'm not trying to be your driving. Mistake. I'm not trying to be that. I'm going to be Eric, right? I don't want you to be the blind side. Because I always say this. You see the movie The Blind Side? You know what I'm talking mm -hmm. about? If you didn't pick up a kid who was walking in the rain, that does not make you a good person. It makes you a jerk. Yeah. If you didn't pick that kid up, you are a jerk for that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't make you like, oh, look at that. No. No, that's humane. You're supposed to be human. So yeah, yeah. those are the things like and when we have a real conversation, then I no longer become your hitch or bagger vance. We are equals in that conversation. So so I I'm with you. I, I think that's great. It's a great perspective. Um, you know, we don't see that. We see those. We see that exact thing, that 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 dynamic play out all the time in Hollywood and elsewhere. So, all right. So what we're talking about, basic human, humanality, uh, humanality, basic, basically human, humaning, right? We're human and, and we're, we're finding ways we're, 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 we're alike, but we're also appreciating our, each other for our differences and our likenesses and everything in between. That's simple. I mean, it's not always easy. I don't know. You know, some people just, we, we talk about walking through, now I'm, now I'm through the fear door with you. We're walking through, we're having a conversation. We're talking about things we like, we both like steak and potatoes, or we both like sushi, whatever it is. We've gotten to a point where we're, we're, we're talking to each other as if we're real humans again, right? And it's no longer the black, the black white veil has dropped. Yes. However, Eric, you and I are standing in a country that is torn apart by this in many ways and systems that are built that are, that have this in their very core and the common thread throughout. So, and we only got a few more minutes in this session and I want to bring you back if you, if you're willing on, to, to talk more about this, but we're all in this, in this society now. Um, and, and so now let's say, let's say we've, we've gone through that part and we're, we're now in a commonality where we can have a conversation that you're my brother and I don't, you know, I mean, brother and sister and we're all, we're, we're all humans. We're all Americans. We're all West Virginians. We're all, we're all from Shinston where, you know, wherever it is now here, where we are now we're in this society where with all this turmoil, we got Confederate union or Confederate, uh, monuments being ripped down. People are angry about that. I mean, we're arguing about masks, we're arguing about everything we can argue about. 
what are what are some things just tangible actions just kind of what we can empower some agency what can we do at this stage to be helpful in, to our fellow humans Good i think question. what we need to do is i think that first and foremost i think that we have to um be a little bit more we have to stop coveting things that are unhealthy right so a lot of people will say this monument ripping down monuments things if you go to Germany, you don't see pictures of, you don't see big statues of Stalin or, or Hitler. You don't see that. You see survivors of the, you see survivors. So statues are of the survivors. So I think that we have to have to get away from this nostalgic that this is a good thing and understand what it is to be an American, man. Like you have to understand that this place, the foundation is not great. And we can make this place great. That's, you gotta know that piece. The other piece to that is you got to be, you have to be interested. I think, I, I don't know how to, you know, I don't know how to say that in a really intellectual way, but I think that, you know, sometimes people are just, I'm down from my neighborhood. And, you know, I think that, I think, I think the, I, I just think walking with courage, I mean, walking with fear and finding courage and not being afraid to be yourself. Like I don't need your approval. And I don't think you need my approval. And I think we have to be here. And I don't need you to save me. And I don't need you to have sympathy for me. I need you to have empathy for your brother just like I'm gonna have empathy for you. I need you to be able to see me and be either willing to ask me about, like, man, you know, I can see you and say, hey, man, I, I know, like to be able to see me because you might just say, hey, I see a brown dude who wears glasses, has a grayish beard. But we never really look at each other. You know what I'm saying? I can't say, well, you know, he's got, you know, a little more right here. And, you know, he's about this tall, blah, blah, blah. Let's take some effort. Like, America, we're lazy, bro. We're lazy. We got to take the effort to actually engage. And I think social media and things like that is causing a little, it's, it's definitely causing a little bit of a rift in that. But in addition to that, <clears throat> my daughter is much more informed about things than I was at her age. She's 15. Now, is she getting some false propaganda and other misinformation? Yes. Is she does, does does she have content to process with somebody? Yes, and that conversation, that dialogue, that uh, communication is the key to change. And we have to all know something: who you think you are right now is not who you're going to evolve into. We have to have a desire to evolve as a people and as a state, or as a state and as a country. We have to be willing to do these things, and it's going to be uncomfortable. You got to know that. You gotta be aware that there's gonna be discomfort and I will, then this too shall pass. You know what I'm saying? Because I, you know, I've said this a lot of times, man, I don't need anybody's approval, bro. I do lectures all the time. And one of the first things I say is I will use a lot of colloquial terminology that is um, something that is used in my community. And I probably won't change that. So you probably won't use the contents of the sentence to figure it out because I'm not changing it. You understand what I'm saying? And they're like, yeah, I said word. And they go, what the hell is where it mean? You might want to figure out. It was really a confirmation. And they're like, oh, okay. I'm like, that right there, that's diversity. And we got to be willing to do that and not say that's, in a, that's inappropriate or, you know, the standard bear, because you're not the standard bear. So if we know that piece and we can have conversation about that piece, that will cause a cognitive shift. And as we cognitively shift and those neural, those neural transmitters connect differently, then now I've changed my brain. And if I change my brain, then that's going to affect my kid and it's going to affect their kid. And then we will truly evolve as a people. And that's what, that's what we have to do, bro.
Like, and, and, you know, for my people, a lot of times we have to deal with the emancipation of our own brain and not, and, and, and get, and, and really realize that our history did not start with slavery to understand the depth of our history. But see, that's the part, even with me saying that, if you're an Italian dude, I don't know, what's your ethnicity, bro? I'm really all over the place, mostly European, yep. So if, if you know the history of your people, then we can have a conversation, because I can have a conversation about my people. And if I don't know my people, it kind of gives me a reason to go, dang, I need to find out more about grandpa or great-grandpa. Now I can realize that my history didn't just start here, and my history is deeper than that. As, um, you know, as uh, Pac said, the darker the berry, the sweeter the juice and the deeper the roots. I want to be able to talk about that deep roots and have and share that with someone else. And, and hopefully they won't get insecure about it. That's the key, bro. I'll tell you, Eric Murphy, I appreciate you coming on and talking with me. I think, you know, this, th these kind of conversations, to your point, will lead. I'll be thinking about it a bunch. And I, and I appreciate the, the viewers and the listeners kind of letting this be raw. I mean, I, I am, I'm just kind of seeking a path and I'm asking folks like yourself to come on and share with me your perspective and, and take some of maybe my silly questions. I might say the wrong things. I might not. And, and being able to have that kind of context. And I want to come back to that word in a minute, that kind of context where we can have that discussion and, and you're not immediately ready to string me up by my toes for saying the wrong things. And likewise, and there's not this, it's not a fight. It's a conversation. It's an understanding. And, right. and I think, I think the more this happens, the more we change the context of our nation. And I, I'm a big believer in context. I've seen it happen in company and families and communities. When we begin to change the context or the culture or the setting, whatever the expectations are, all of a sudden, it's not, we don't have to keep defending the bad apple because the bad apples get pushed out of the proper context. And, and I, I really think if we can continue to work for that. And so I appreciate folks like yourselves of, of being able to communicate in such a way that, that yes, this is uncomfortable topics and, and it can get ugly. Some of these things are ugly that people have done to each other through history and they're happening today. But if, when we can talk about it in a way where it doesn't feel so heavy that I can, I can learn more, you can learn, we can have a conversation. Boy, it's just so much, so much more valuable. Um, I, I, I really appreciate it. So I, I thank oh, no worries, you. brother. Anytime, man, anytime. I'm, I, I'm honored that you invited me on here again. And I want to reiterate this, man. You know, I'm just a spokesman for me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just know what I think in my hit in, in my my journey. Um, and if this can help someone else to to maybe even want to process their journey, then then we're doing what brothers and sisters do. Yeah, I, I was just talking to my my son a little few days ago, saying, "Look, there's there's Team Human, there's Team Earth, and then there's 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 Team You, and there's all kinds of teams that people are going to put you on in between, whether that's." red and blue and conservative, progressive and all liberal and what, whatever, black, white, you know, but really you got team earth and team you, and, and you gotta, you gotta be responsible for, for the fact that you're connected to everything else that's going on, but you're team you, man, you represent you. You don't have to join every team that someone says you have to be on because of either your color, your skin or where you're from or wherever you're team you, man. And your team, you should be about team earth. And, and that's, you know, maybe at some point we find there's life elsewhere. We'll be team universe. I don't know, but, but all of those other, artificial biases and teams and some real teams that we put together, man. I have to hate you because, oh, you're on the other side of the county. I, you're a different county across the line. I don't get all that. So I'm no. with you, man. I'm with you. And I really appreciate you coming on and, oh, and helping us. And I'd love to have you back on and maybe, maybe dig into some of these, you know, cause there's lots of questions that folks have and maybe we can be a conduit. Maybe I can be a conduit to ask some questions that people want to ask. And if you'd be willing, I'd love to bring you back on and maybe just kind of go through some that, yeah. that folks are really struggling with. And maybe they're angry about it. They're confused. And, and maybe we can we can dig into them some, you think? Yeah, yeah, not a problem at all. And I think that what we'll find out from a mental health perspective that a lot of times we're dealing with the issue of power and the issue of trauma. 
and 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 that's something that we are for, in our state we don't talk about that yeah, and maybe yeah. that's the opportunity for us to uncover that stuff and find that we are we have the opportunity to thrive and not just survive wonderful eric eric murphy thank you i appreciate you coming on and uh we'll we'll uh we'll, we'll be talking again soon i'm sure right, thanks buddy. a lot <laughs> Peace. Bye -bye.